Welcome to the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast, a podcast where we teach speakers how to land paid speaking engagements and corporate contracts. Each week, we deliver high-quality content that teaches you how to level up your speaking business. Be sure to join the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group after having your mind blown by this information-filled episode. Now, here's your host, Ashley Kirkwood, lawyer and professional speaker. This is the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. Hey guys, it's Ashley Kirkwood back again with the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. And today we have with us a phenomenal speaker. He was just named, as I've learned, one of the top speakers in the world. Okay, so we are honored to have Matthew Pollard with us today. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing terrific. I'm so glad to be on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And where are you based? I'm actually based in North Carolina, though. You probably can't tell from the accent. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I was wondering about that because I thought that you were <laughs> that you were stateside, but I never know. Okay. Awesome. And how did you uh, start your speaking career? Maybe what did you do before speaking and what led you into launching your own company and, and getting into what you do now? Yeah. Well, I mean, my, my start is, is very interesting. I mean, so I, firstly, I, I was, I'm well known for building five multi-million dollar businesses before I turned 30. So you know, predominantly it was bricks and mortar, telemarketing, direct sales, uh, retail stores, those sorts of things, everything from telecommunications to education. So, you know, predominantly I, I built my brand by actually building companies. But, you know, originally, I mean, I was in late high school. I had a reading speed of a sixth grader. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was, and because of those things, I mean, I was horribly introverted. I, you know, I got diagnosed with this thing called scotomic sensitivity syndrome, which for people that can't spell, I don't know why they create these words that are impossible for anyone to actually spell when they have to write it on a form. But that's what I got diagnosed with, which in short means I put on a pair of glasses and I can magically learn to read. But it doesn't mean I can read like everyone else. It means I could start the process of reading. So for me, you know, the getting started was, I mean, I, this was a, you know, I was a kid with horrible acne, colored lenses that I had to put on. You can imagine, I mean, I was really introverted. I was scared of my own shadow. Well, for those of you who can't see how he looks and I'll link to his website, I don't see any acne. So <laughs> a lot's changed. <laughs> we, we managed to, we managed to get rid of that. You know, growing up is a wonderful thing, but it yeah. takes a long time when you're young to get over those, uh, those, uh, those scars. And, Definitely. you know, there's a part of my book where I talk about, you know, I got hit in the head with a basketball and, you know, acne popped and, you know, things like that, you know, you never imagine you're ever going to be speaking on stage in front of people. Right. Like the being the center of attention is the furthest thing from your mind. But for me, what happened was, so my backstory is that I fell into door-to-door sales after losing my job just before Christmas. And the only job I could get was commission-only sales. And after five days product training and not a single second of sales training, I get thrown on this road and just told to go sell. But I didn't even know what to say. So, you know, I I share this on stage all the time, how I went door-to-door, getting rejected, getting sworn at, and then how I realized that, that sales had to be a system. Mm-hmm. And because if not, my year was going to suck. So while it was 93 doors to my first sale, soon it was 48 and 36 and then 25 and then 18. And I taught myself how to sell on YouTube, watching YouTube videos. I mean, wow. all these speakers that are sitting there, you know, going, oh my gosh, how do I perfect the art of speaking? I mean, YouTube is an amazing resource. There's a lot more on it, it is. than cat videos. Like it's so much more. So I taught myself how to sell and eventually I got promoted and promoted and promoted 
And about a year in, I made the decision to start up my own business. And less than a year later, it was a, over a million dollar enterprise. Three years later, it was the number one brokership for business to business cell phones in my home country of Australia. And what so, business was that? The first that was, that it was started. a telecommunications company. Okay. So the so predominantly, as I said, everything that I do was about starting businesses and growing businesses, or at least that was the first 10 years of my life. When I moved to the United States, I, I spent about a, a year finding myself. I actually spent 2013 traveling the world for the year. Nice. And I decided I was going to open up a new business in a bigger country with a bigger population because online sales was never something in my head. I, I didn't even know how to change the word that to the word that on a website. So I'm like, I've got to physically be somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I spent time in South America, spent time in the US, spent time in Europe. And, you know, I, I fell in love with this city called Austin. And then I met this girl. And I think that the two of them together went, okay, I'm, I'm going to move here. But I decided that if I was going to start a business in the US, All of a sudden, I had this realization that if I do that and I can't make it mobile, then what happens if my family gets sick and I need to go home or, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. So I decided that I was going to create an online brand. And I decided that predominantly what I was going to do is I was going to coach and consult. So I envisaged this concept around helping small businesses because they've all got these amazing functional skills, right? So Mm -hmm. they're great ghostwriters. They're great graphic designers. They're great speakers. Right. But the problem is... They don't know how to differentiate in a crowded marketplace, which means all they've got to compete on is price. For speakers specifically, that means they're all on these like speaker match and e-speaker and they have to click the category and, you know, unless they're free, good luck getting a a deal these days, right? So they're constantly this hamster wheel of fighting on price. Then a lot of them don't know how to niche down because especially for for newly beginning speakers or any business, it seems counterintuitive. Like when you want any customer... Why niche? But in truth, if you've got less, you know, scale, less customer success, and let's face it, you're just learning. The last thing you want to do is be speaking with a bland message. You want to be the only logical choice for a small group. So they don't do that. And then most of them have no idea how to actually sell. So there's no sales system, either online or offline. So I went, I'm going to work with people on short-term engagements, just helping people with those three things. And then I went, well, what's the easiest way for me to get clients? And I went, well, I can go on podcast interviews and I can speak from stage. So that was, that was, that was my big idea. So okay. I, 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 I went online and I built a website and, you know, that, I did it myself because I wanted, I felt I never liked to have no control over my business. Right. So I learned how to do online and, you know, what's funny is I, I was an award-winning blogger and listed by Evan Carmichael as one of the most retweeted business coaches 12 months later. And it was all through the automated processes that I use that keep putting my brand out in front of people. Yes. And continually drives a lot of my high-level clients directly to me and my brand in an automated way. So, you know, for speakers that are out there trying to post on Twitter every day and Instagram, stop it. It's just, firstly, it's taking up way too much of your time. It's way too stressful and you can absolutely automate it. However, what I did is I realized that If I was to niche down and then say, what are the three major problems in my industry, and then create a story for each one of those, I could deliver those stories on podcast interviews, and I could deliver them from stage. So I created this keynote called Rapid Growth the Lazy Way, and it was three stories. It talks about this person that had a problem with um, struggling with price and how she differentiated to get out of that problem, my own business and how I niched to create one of the fastest growing education companies in Australia. And then this person that was too scared to pick up the phone so tried to sell via email, sales systemization. Mm. And I remember delivering that keynote in 
one co-working facility where there was like 20 people. And by the end of that, I then added those people to an email campaign and reached out to them um, personally to thank them for coming and set up a whole series of phone calls. And I made five figures a week within a week and a half, say, after that keynote from coaching clients on these short-term engagements. I like that a lot. I want to point out some things for people that are listening. You know, one thing that that uh, he and, and are you comfortable with Matt or do you go by Matthew the whole? <laughs> uh, so uh, the reason why I say Matthew is because my Matthew. website MatthewPollard.com. Okay, you're perfect. absolutely welcome to call me Matt. Okay, I could do Matthew because my husband's name is uh, Christopher, but he only goes by Chris. So I have to always ask how people prefer to be referenced, um, referred to. But one thing uh, Matthew said that I want you all to listen to is that he had a plan of how he was going to automate his sales system prior to doing the engagement. So a lot of this, I imagine, was very deliberate on the front end before going into the engagement. So it wasn't like, oh man, 20 people are here. How will I follow up with these 20 people? What process will I put them through? Oh, this drives me nuts with speakers. Oh, I can't speak for free. I don't make any money. Well, why haven't you created a way of monetizing the people? Like everybody's got to understand a stage for what it is. It is a platform of which you can A, get paid to speak, and B, sell other things. And booking engagements and another engagement is just one of those things. So for me, I actually have a, uh, a blog post I just finished writing called Do You Have a Small Business or a Gambling Addiction? And mm. for me, if you're a speaker that just gets a gig and doesn't think about what they're going to do until they get there, you have a gambling addiction. It feels nice when you speak, but at the end of the day, it's the same as winning a few free spins on a slot machine. While it feels good, it's not going to make you any money. So for me, everything that I do is strategy first. So the first thing I did is I said, what is my differentiate point of differentiation going to be? I'm going to be known as the rapid growth guy because you can't put that in a box, right? You can't say I'm a sales trainer. You can't say I'm a marketing person. And I'm more than that anyway. And so is every speaker listening. You're a lifetime of experience. You are a a person that's got different education, different upbringing, different customers that perfectly qualify you to have a different branding, that one commoditized statement that you've got to select in eSpeaker is not going to allow you, you know, to quantify. But right. for me, I went, I'm the rapid growth guy. I'm going to focus on the small business demographic because I built so many successful small businesses. It's what I knew well. And then I built the sales system. So I built a website with a landing page that then when they joined in, they'd get a series of 12 emails and then three other emails that said, hey, why don't you book a phone call with me, right? So the link to that, if speakers want to copy it, feel free to copy it, is matthewpollard.com forward slash growth, right? So it took people through 12 emails that told them how to create this unified message, discover their niche and create a sales system while it prompted them to get, me to, uh, to get people to book a phone call with me. Then mm -hmm. what I did is I spoke from stage for free and I said, for those people, you know, I finished with this quote, you know, Abraham Lincoln has this famous quote saying, if I was given six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four sharpening the ax. And then I say what most small businesses are doing are akin to just keeping on chopping. 
it's time to sharpen the axe. So for those people that want to learn how to create a unified message and discover a niche and willing to buy clients, you don't have to work with me. What you need to do is work through a five-step exercise that'll help you do that yourself. And I, you know, I explain the story of how I've done that with a group of people in the past and how at the end of 45 minutes, they all get this amazing result and how sad it is that it only takes 45 minutes. And I said, now I don't have it with me today, but I will be standing and I literally point to the back right-hand corner of the room and I say, I will be standing over there. If you give me your card, I will email you the template. So I go and stand over there. Now that somebody automatically will always come and speak to me right afterwards and I make sure I have a slightly longer conversation because if I can create a queue, people will all line up because they'll feel fear of loss that they're missing right. out on something. There's never a time where I haven't got at least half of the room to do that. And that doesn't matter even if there's over 100 people in the room. Like I spoke at a chamber of commerce about six months later, people lined up for an hour and a half to give me their business card, right? So I sat there, I'd have a dialogue with people. I would add that to the campaign. Those people received the emails, they booked a phone call with me. And then I had a mapped out consultancy product where I sold them that process of differentiating, creating a niche, developing their stories, packaging and pricing, you know, creating that sales system both online and offline in a, in a very short-term engagement. It was three sessions over six weeks. And I sold three of those from that room of 20. Now I've made over five figures. So did I get paid to speak? Absolutely. Now I never sold from stage. All I said is, give me a card, I'll send you the template. And I actually say to them, team up with somebody in the room and block out two hours to do it with them. So event planners love me. Even though I speak for free, I'm not perceived like I'm selling. So because of that, I now had all these people joining my mailing list. So I did that on podcast interviews and I did it on stage. Soon after, because of my, I call it my three-story format keynote, it became so popular that I started to get other invites to speak to rooms of hundreds and more well, hundreds, 200s, 300s, where the same results would apply. And soon I started to get so booked out with that, uh, people started to reach out and I started asking this one statement. Surely when you reached out to me, given my brand, you probably had an expectation of what working with someone like me would cost or having me to speak at your event would cost. What idea of price did you have in mind? And people would say, oh, look, I know you probably earn more than this elsewhere, but we only have a budget of $3,500. I'd never been paid to speak before. So now I'm getting $3,500 to speak at an event where I will speak, put people on this mailing list, and then join um, my consultancy product. Now, why did I have a short-term consultancy product? Because I always envisaged creating an online academy so I could work with less people. If you've got a short-term consultancy right. with really short deliverables, you can build that. My six-week, my six-hour program went into a nine-week course, really simply. So for me, now when I speak, and let's just fast forward this right through, now I get paid over five figures to speak. And every time I speak, it's to a big audience where a load of those people will join my online academy or my one-on-one -on -one coaching. So now I get paid to speak. I've got, you know, I've got a six-figure speaking business, I've got a six-figure academy business, and I've got a six-figure consultancy business. Now, then, once I created market saturation, and, you know, as far as small business is concerned, you know, I get requests to speak in everything from the National Association of Funeral Parlors to the entrepreneurial organizations that have multi-million dollar businesses. Then I went targeting a different industry group. 
So I wrote a book called The Introvert's Edge, which was just listed as the number two book ever written for introverts. And so it has I'm over 100 five-star reviews on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, but I'm because of my reading speed issues, I actually promoted the Audible version a lot more than the print version. So it actually has 890 Wow. Five-star reviews on Audible, which I'm ecstatic about as well. That is so, so interesting that you promoted the Audible. That makes a lot of sense. Well, the obviously my backstory, you know, I, the, I'm good friends with people, some of the people at Audible now as well because of that. My next book comes out next year and, you know, everybody's supporting the launch Audible as well. But, yeah, the, the audio book and the, the, the print book, it's now in a whole bunch of other languages as well. But, yeah, it did 30,000 copies, but it got picked up by the tech sector. And there was a chapter around storytelling. So they asked me if I could deliver, I got asked by Oracle Digital, if I could deliver a um, keynote on storytelling. So what did I do? I used my same three story format and I delivered a keynote that focused on teaching story. Now, why, why do I use story? Because a keynote is about motivating and inspiring people to take action. But most people give too much information in the keynote. So people walk out going, wow, you gave so much value. Let me apply that and then I'll hire you. They never do because the problem is they're overwhelmed. They, they try one thing. They may, they may be too overwhelmed to even think about what to start with. So you only want them to give them three things to do. And in each one of my keynotes, at the end of each story, I give them one thing to do. So because of that, they're motivated, they're inspired. And for those people that are thinking, oh, no, I want to give them more value than that, they're never going to apply it. So giving them value is about giving them things that they can actually apply out in the world and making sure that they do that. So for me, that's what I focus on. Now, you, you mentioned your book and the process by which you were able to get some of these larger corporate keynotes. Did you self-publish your book? Or I know it was eventually picked up, but did you start off self-publishing, just writing on your own? Or did you have someone walk you through that process? Yeah, so again, one of the things I think speakers do a lot is they do everything themselves. And that to me is madness. Now, the reason why a lot of speakers have to do it is if you're not getting paid to speak and the only way you make money is by speaking, you can't afford to do a lot. And that's right. why I say it's impossible to compete with someone like me unless you have a diversified business portfolio. So when I was speaking for free, I still made over five figures every keynote that I delivered, which means I had a six-figure consultancy business, which means I could afford to do things. Right. right? Now, right, I have a six-figure academy, a six-figure coaching business, and a six-figure speaking business, I can afford to spend money on promotional uh, book reels, on website development, on social media strategies that no speaker with a solely speaker income can compete with me. That's why you need to think in diversified portfolio, especially when you're starting. Even if it's a short-term coaching engagement, it's perfect. Now, the reason why I, I flag that is because I worked with a ghostwriter. And my ghostwriter, so I worked with a ghostwriter. We secured a, um, a New York publisher, uh, which was called Amacom, to publish the first book, and I received an advance for that. Now, it wasn't enough to cover the cost of the development of the book, mm -hmm. but a couple of consultancy engagements covered the rest of the cost. So then we went out, and so Derek and I worked together on the book, and the book, he was focused on getting the book right. Now, I mean, the process is... He would send me 3,000 words. I'd write 3,000 words of notes, send it back to him. We'd do that for 12 chapters. And then he sent me the 30,000 or 50,000 words. I'd send him back 30,000 words of notes. So it, you still have to be very involved, but yeah. you don't have to do the whole project. 
which meant at the same time I was building an online academy, I can do so many more things. Right. The reason why, so yes, I worked with the New York publisher. Um, I didn't self-publish. However, these days, I mean, that's really a choice, mm-hmm. right? For me, a lot of my success from the book came from, I reached out to people at my, uh, Microsoft and at Intel and, well, sorry, Microsoft and an Oracle and other corporations to endorse my book, who I then leveraged those connections and the fact that they endorsed it to get the book in front of the right people that were hiring speakers, right? So a book is a hugely leverageable opportunity. I don't think it matters if you go through a New York publisher right now. I mean, a New York publisher, I mean, any publisher is great for distribution and getting it into bookstores and and airports and things like that. But to be honest with you, the biggest success of getting hired as a speaker came from using the endorsements to get them in front of the right people and what I do on social media, which was grabbing those endorsements and turning them into images and sharing them on social media. So I I think the biggest thing, and this is what I mean with a lot of speakers, they're like, oh, I really just like sharing, you know, talking, and I really like speaking. But that means that they're a hobby speaker. They're not a business, right? For me, a business comes to, okay, what's going to differentiate me? Because if you're a leadership speaker or a time time management speaker or a continuous improvement speaker, I tell you what you are, you're a broke speaker. Unless you have a differentiated message that excites and inspires people to want to know more about you, like the rapid growth guy, like the authority architect, like the narrative strategist, something that people are like, oh, I need to understand a little bit more about what they do before I put them in that bucket. Now, sure, that means on eSpeaker, you can still be listed under leadership speaker, but you need to know those people already have a budget in mind and free is one of the things that they're thinking, right? You want to attract the higher level people. You have to be a brand in your own right. So you have to differentiate. Then you've got to speak to a niche. Now, it doesn't mean that you can only sell to that niche, right? At the moment, if you look online, everything I do is focused on small business. Mm-hmm. But I've worked with Oracle Digital. I've just you know, got back from speaking to 85 global directors of different departments in Intel. I've worked, I was one of the 10 featured speakers at Microsoft Inspire out of 600 speakers. I'm one, you know, I just got listed by as one of the top 50 speakers in the world. In, and the predominant selection committee are all from corporate. But that's because of our focus on reaching out to those people and letting them know about my book, my work, and what we do. All of my outward marketing is to my niche. Okay, awesome. And I want to focus on the reaching out process because for people who are at home who are like, okay, well, you know, I haven't built a million-dollar business before 30 or in any period of time, <laughs> and I'm just getting started. I do have a corporate background, and, and they're they're trying to figure out how they can take what you're saying and start implementing some of it. Talk a little bit about the cold, hopefully not cold, but the emailing strategy that newer speakers should be utilizing to make sure they're consistently in front of the right people. If they too want to speak to the small business market. And one of the things that I hear a lot from the folks in the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group and those who listen to the podcast is that if they want to speak to small businesses, they feel as though it almost always has to be unpaid especially since they don't have another product to sell. So originally when I first spoke, so let's cover, let's cover that elephant in the room first. Originally when I first spoke, I did speak for free, but let's face it. I was an introverted guy who sucked at speaking. I deserved to speak for free. And the thing was that, you know, I could, I could show you the first, the first video of my keynote presentation. And I literally was like a Dodge and car bouncing off the walls off the different corners of the stage. I was walking so fast 
right? But as I started to get better at speaking, I started to get small business groups like the National Association of Home Builders does what's called Builder 20, right? They invited me to speak. And yeah, I only made $3,500 to speak at that event, but I got paid $3,500 to speak. Now, everyone's like, oh, but associations don't have money. Small business groups don't have money. I, like I've got the National Association of Funeral Parlors is paying me over five figures to speak in January, right? If the National Association of Funeral Parlors can afford that, why is it? You know, everyone, here's the thing. Small business groups know that they can get a speaker for free. Right. So why wouldn't they start with that? And in <laughs> right. truth, if you don't have a brand, you should be speaking for free, right? Because you haven't done your work, right? right. For me, I wrote... Literally, everyone thinks you have to blog forever. I wrote three blog posts, three blog posts that won me an international blogging award hmm. and that got people to recognize that I actually had notoriety. I had a small podcast. I did 25 episodes and then I stopped and then I shared it on social media. Here's the thing. If you're a leadership speaker, you don't, you're not a brand. You're a commodity. And because of that, you're never going to get paid to speak because if I can get a leadership speaker to speak for $5,000, $10,000 or free, and they all call themselves leadership speakers, the only thing that I can see from the difference is their stage presence. So I'll watch, right. a, few, I'll watch a few sizzle videos, and if the free one's almost as good, free sounds good to me. Right. But if you type in rapid growth speaker, I'm the only person you find. If you type in authority architect, right? My client, Derek Lewis, is the only person you'll find. You have to have a point of difference. So when you talk about outreach, if you reach out to someone and say, I am a leadership speaker, I would love to speak at your event. They're like, yeah, you and a hundred other people. No, thank you. If you say, hey, I'm the rapid growth guy and I'm interested in the possibility of speaking with, about you know, at your event, here is a promo video of what I do. They're like, what the hell's rapid growth guy? Is that sales? Is it marketing? Let me watch the video. Oh, he's good. Yes, we would like him. It changes the game. But the second thing is that there is a big difference between push marketing and pull marketing. And you have to have a platform first. For instance, when you went to my website, you would have likely gone, okay, this guy's a big deal. It's got nothing to do. I don't have anywhere on the homepage of my website that says, you know, founded five multi-million dollar companies, right? It doesn't say that because people don't care. They don't, people are naturally thinking about themselves, right? right? And because of that, they don't care if you founded five multi-million dollar businesses. They also don't care what you've done for other people. They only care what you can do for them. But if they go to your website and there's no differentiation, right? You just come across as a leadership speaker. Your sizzle reel's not great then it's going to be really hard. So here's how I do outreach. First thing, you know, my website now is not the website I had when I started. We updated that in January last year, but I was already making six figures as a speaker. So don't think you have to have a website like mine to compete, but you've got to understand your outreach strategy has to be the following. You have to pick up the phone and call someone and talk to them. Then once you've done that, you have to connect with them on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, every platform you can think of. 
then you've got to be sharing content on social media. Now, remember I said the last thing you want to do is be posting on Twitter every day. I mean, you run out of things to say. Next thing you know, you're posting a video of your dog because you're just out of things to talk about. So you say, here is my niche. Here are the people that I'm going to reach out to. Here is the content that I'm going to share that they may be interested in, right? So I share quotes that are due to do with small business growth. I share articles about small business growth, but everything's about what these event planners would be interested in or what my ideal coaching clients would be interested in. Then I say, based on the niche that I want to speak at, what consulting product can I create for the attendees? So then you get this whole whole focus. It's a, a complete system. That's what you need. So it's what's my message? What niche? Who am I going to reach out to? Then connect with them on social media, but then you need to know what you're going to share with them on social media because you want your social media to constantly get in front of them until they're like, oh, we've got us, we've got somebody, uh, we, we've got an event, we want to hire someone. Like Berkshire Hathaway is a great example of this. We reached out to them a year and a half ago and they were like, oh, we don't have any events coming up. So we said, no problem. We connected with them on all the social profiles and then about six months ago, we reached back out to them. Another thing speakers don't do is reach out to the same person twice and said, hey, when just thought we'd check up. Do you have an event coming on? And they went, actually, we do. We've got our National Berkshire Hathaway Conference coming up. And we've been seeing your content. We'd love to have a chat with you about speaking at, at, your, at our event. Now I'm speaking at, I'm actually speaking twice at their event, right? So that's how you do it. But here's the key. You've got to create your piece first. So it's, Message, niche, package and price, not just speaking. What consultancy product? How do you build that into an online academy eventually? How do you price that in a way that it stimulates purchasing behavior? Then how do you create three stories that you can use on podcasts, on sales calls, in your speeches to drive more interest in what you do? And then you build out the sales system. Now, the biggest thing I keep talking about is the point of differentiation. And if it's helpful... Do you want me to give you an example of how a speaker would do that? So a lot of speakers will be like, yeah, but I am a leadership speaker or I've got five years of corporate experience, right? So I think the hardest thing for people is people look at me the way I am now and they say, okay, but you, you, you built five multi-million dollar businesses, so therefore rapid growth fits. But how did you get to that? And I can tell you, it took me like weeks to come up with my own. It takes me hours to come up with somebody else's. But there's a template that I can, you know, that I talked about earlier that people can download um, that I can I can show you uh, that will walk them through this. But the best example I can give you is I worked with a, a language coach out of um, out of California, and she taught kids and adults Mandarin. And you know, for for years she charged fifty to eighty dollars an hour successfully. And now there's all these people moving into California that are willing to charge thirty to forty dollars an hour to start their own businesses. So she's competing against those. Also, thanks to this global economy we now live in, I mean, I'm speaking in the Philippines and Vietnam in January, right? They could have hired a local speaker. They hired me because we live in this global economy, Yeah. right? So she's now competing against people on Craigslist that are offering to do it from China for $12 an hour. Mm. Also, thanks to our friends in Silicon Valley, right, they've created these technologies. I'll teach you Mandarin. You teach me English. No one's charging anyone anything. So she's competing against free. So she said, Matt, how do I compete in this crowded marketplace? And I said, Wendy, there is no competing. Just like there is no competing if somebody reaches out to you and says, we found you on a platform and we're considering 20 speakers 
for this event, there's always going to be somebody that will offer to speak for free because they're looking for experience or they've got a product to sell. So because of that, you've got to get out of that marketplace. I said to Wendy, we've got to avoid the battle altogether. So what I looked at was all the things she was doing for her people above and beyond her functional skill. And, mm -hmm. and what I realized is that for Wendy, there were two people specifically she was helping with more than just language tuition. These were executives being relocated across to China. And what I she, she did was amazing. I mean, the first thing she helped them understand was this concept called galaxy, which for us, I mean, that means outer space. But in China, that's their word for rapport. So actually, if, if I was trying to sell you something and I was a really bad salesperson, I might meet with you for 45 minutes. In the end, I'd say something horrible like, so do you want to move forward? And you would say, yes, no, everyone's favorite. Let me think about it. Right. If I came back a week from now and asked you if you've had a chance to think about it and you still said you need more time, I know my chances of getting that sale are going down and down, right? Right. In China, they're going to want to meet with you five or six times before they discuss business. They're probably going to want to see you drunk over karaoke once or twice. It's just the kind of people they are because they're talking about 50 to 100-year contracts. They're not talking about 12, 24-month or transactional deals. So she helped them understand that. She also helped them understand the difference between e-commerce in China and e-commerce in, 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 in the Western world. And the third, she helped them understand the importance of respect, like how to handle a business card, the importance of reducing your accent. And I said, Wendy, I need you to stop. You use so much more for these people than just language tuition. Like every speaker that's listening today that calls themselves a leadership speaker or a time management speaker, the reason why they do have some people that sing their praises is because they do more than that. And she's, I, said, is, is she, I said, you're stuck in your functional skill. Is it fair to assume as a result of the assistance you're giving these people, they're going to be more successful when they get to China? And she's like, I mean, that's the point, right? I said, great. So why don't we call you the China success coach? Simple change, right, from a language tutor that could speak on how to learn a language to the China success coach. She loved the idea. We created this China success intensive, which was a five-week program. And she's like, well, who do I sell it to? And I said, well, who do you think your ideal client is? She's like, well, obviously, you know, it's the uh, person being relocated to China. I went, well, I moved from Australia to the United States. I mean, I was terrified and people here speak the same language. So I get it, but it's not your ideal client. She's like, well, obviously, it's the immigration. Uh, sorry, obviously, it's the, um, the corporation. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of times these have hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, riding on the executive being successful. But it's not your ideal client. She looks at me, she's like, well, frustrated. She's like, well, who then? I said, your ideal client's actually the immigration attorney. She's like, what? I said, you think about it. These people are uh, terrified to go, yes, but they're sitting down with an immigration attorney that they paid five to $7,000 for a visa, but after the bureaucracy, the paperwork, the cost of getting a customer, which is not free, they'd be lucky to make $3,000. I said, so just offer them $3,000 for a successful introduction. They love the idea. They're like, double my profit for a simple introduction. What do I have to say? And we said, all you've got to do is say, congratulations, you've now got your visa. I just want to double check you're as ready as possible to be relocated across to China. The customer would always say, yeah, I think we're good. We've got our visa now. Place, we've got our place sorted. We're learning the language. Kids are getting pretty good at it too. I think we're set. And all she, they would say is, there's actually a lot more to it than that. I think you need to speak to the China success coach. Wendy would then get on the phone with the easiest sale in the world. They were terrified to go. The organization was motivated to pay and they were recommended by their attorney. She charged $30,000 for this program, minus the $3,000 to the immigration attorney. She made $27,000 for the easiest sale in the world. Now, Wendy's not a speaker, but if she was going to speak, 
she would talk about China's success at organization in front of organizations and organizations would hire her about the people that were relocating. She could speak about uh, to at, at conferences about how to prepare to be moved to China and she could speak where all immigration attorneys go about getting people prepared to move to China, right? That's a true speaking business. So what a lot of people need to understand is focused on your functional skill when you would have failed, right? She would have been constantly competing on price. You've got to say, what are the things I do outside the scope of my functional skill? And then what is the higher level benefit for that? For Wendy, it was Galaxy e-commerce and respect. The higher level benefit was China's success. For me, I'm a branding expert. I'm a social media strategist. I'm a sales systemization expert. I'm a, a, mark, a marketer. I'm a master in neurolinguistic programming, a business coach. I mean, I'm too many things. And so is everybody listening. And nobody cares. Nobody cares at all. But when I say I'm the rapid growth guy, the clarity of that message gets me heard in the crowd of marketplace. When I say I work exclusively with small business, it gives me a group of willing to buy clients that see me as the only logical choice. At that point, Coaching, consulting, speaking is an easy thing to sell. The heavy lifting is done for you. And because you're the only logical choice, people are willing to pay you. I mean, I've spoken at so many conferences where there were like literally 100 speakers and I was the only one that got paid to speak. If you want to transition the way you run your business, you have to become a brand, an identity, not a commodity, and then create a business that isn't just reliant on a single source income so that you can build the brand artifacts to compete with someone like me. And I can guarantee you that while no one in the industry, in the sales industry, sorry, in the speaking industry is making that much money, 1% of the speaking world is making all the money. And it's because it's uncontested because the average speaker doesn't have a business. They've got a hobby. Right. That makes sense. And those are actually the figures about 1% of the speaking world makes over a million dollars. And then only 10% make it to six figures or more a year, Um, which is really weird because six figures isn't that much money. But, um, you know, that that's not surprising because only I think 80% less than 80% of all Americans actually make six figures. So it's not just the speaking industry. People just aren't making that much money in general. And a part of it is what you said, niching down really does help. And solving a problem for an elite group of individuals is far better than solving it for every single person. It's just, there's, there's, there's no comparison. So for those that are listening that have their own business, they want to do more in the small business world, what organizations would you suggest they get keyed into so they can start making the right connections? I mean, it's really more about reaching out. I mean, LinkedIn is a wonderful tool. Right. What? But again, LinkedIn only Please, works. Uh, sales Navigator. Actually, we do now um, because I have somebody that's in charge of you know, reaching out. And again, the first four years, I had nobody reaching out. Right. But the thing you've got to understand is the free platform works amazingly well. Right. There's no reason to do it unless you want to start building it and utilizing it like a CRM. Which for the speakers that are just getting started, that adds value. So I would suggest it, knowing what I know now. But. I never used Sales Navigator for the first four years. It, I couldn't, I wasn't focused on it enough. What I did was I put literally 230 posts. That's all it was. I did it in a three-day weekend and I put 230 posts into an automatic social posting tool that just automated it going out. Now, not like Hootsuite because that's what everybody thinks. Hootsuite, you send them all out and then you've got to reschedule them. Now you've got a full-time job. I used technology. At the time, I used uh, Meet Edgar. 
Then I used co-schedule. Now I use, uh, sorry, then I used uh, uh, schedule, uh, social B. Now I use co-schedule. But what I do is I put all the stuff in and it now just reposts. Like literally in January, we redid everything. We put about a thousand posts in and we haven't touched it since January. But here's the thing. When you connect, you just go in and you type event planner, conference organizer, uh, bureau into LinkedIn and you just connect with a whole bunch. And then they nine times out of 10, they'll connect with you as long as you've got a brand and an identity that looks worth connecting with. And then they're seeing your content all the time. You just count down the days, they'll reach out to you. Now, of course, you can send them LinkedIn messages to foster and develop relationships, send them your sizzle reel. But in truth, these days, we live in this interconnected world where you can use technology, psychology, and strategy to get your ideal customers to chase you. So I would focus on connecting on LinkedIn and then pick up the phone and call them and say hi. And if you're not willing to pick up the phone when you first start, you're going to find speaking much harder than it needs to be. So what I would do is instead of doing that, I would go to networking events and volunteer to speak so you develop a reputation because the people that ask you to speak eventually will offer to pay you, right? Don't assume that every speech is free. So either pick up the phone or go and speak for free to create that momentum that gets you paid as a speaker. But remember, speaking for free can make you a fortune. And there are other people, and this is one thing I really want to make clear. There are people that pay twenty dollars to $100,000 to speak on stage. Right. So if you don't have a diverse, and having a diversified business income is great. Like if I don't get a speak, speaking event for February next year, I don't care because I'll make six figures in coaching and I'll make six figures in my academy. I've got a diversified income, which means I don't have to freak out right? It's a high profit business because a lot of people, I I can tell you, there are so many people that have million dollar speaking businesses that spend $900,000 on Facebook ads and sales teams to get that million dollars, right? If you speak for free and get coaching consulting clients off the back end, you have no cost. It's all profit. You put that money straight in the bank. But I would suggest to everybody that they speak for free with a consulting product or pick up the phone and dial for dollars that every single person connect to a mailing list, get their email address to send them something, but something you can allow to continuous blast and build at least a 12-part nurture campaign to send them something over an extended period so you're not overly emailing people about it. Like one email a month over 12 months, but not a newsletter, something that shares value to them over a 12-month period, then connect with them on LinkedIn and then share socially. Um, You know, sharing on social media will allow you to foster that relationship. But remember... Business as a speaker is about having a strategy, connecting with them in lots of different forums, and they're only going to pay you to speak if they see you as a level that it's deserving of being paid to speak. And most people that reach out and call once and say, hi, uh, do you pay speakers? Or (laughs) connect on LinkedIn and say, here's my sizzle reel, please hire me. And then they identify themselves as a commodity, like I'm a leadership speaker. Good luck. I mean, I'm sharing testimonials that I got, and originally from free speaking events, but I had video testimonials. Every speech I ever had, I had recorded, so I was starting to put together this high-level sizzle reel. If you don't think about it like a business, quit today because you're never going to get paid in this industry. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One thing you said that I wanted to ask about because I didn't quite get it was you said that you could... I okay, full disclosure, I use Hootsuite. It's like I have someone else that does all that, that schedules them, and then they go out for the next six months, etc., what is the difference between that and what you're referencing? So, okay, so Hootsuite, 
requires manual engagement, right? So she, your, your person goes in and puts in all the posts. Right. Then they have to come back and look at all those posts, what's performing, what's not performing, all of those sorts of things, and then manually reschedule them. So as an organization grows, you can forget to do that. It becomes a full-time job and it requires a lot of manual contact. What I was looking for, you got to remember, I'm an introvert, so I don't want to post anything organically, right? Because the last thing I'm ever going to do is pull out a camera and say, hey, guys, what I want to talk to you about today is I'm not going to do that. (laughs) So for me, everything has to be automated. And secondly, in my mind, if it is not an automatable thing, then it's a job that I have to continually do. So my number one motto is automate and move on. So when I sat down and looked at social tools when I was first starting, things like Hootsuite and all these other technologies was you put in the content, it posts out, and then you've got to put it back in and you've got to select the times. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that could explode. So I found this technology called Meet Edgar. And what it did is it allowed you to put your content into categories and then select the times of the day that you wanted to have the post go out and which categories you wanted to post. And it would automatically do it. So we put in 230, you know, uh, quote images, links to my blog, you know, other things, you know, just standard posts on all the different platforms. And for three years, it went out. Like meet Edgar, uh, sorry, uh, Evan Carmichael listed me as one of the most retweeted business coaches on Twitter. And I did nothing. For three years, I didn't touch it. Then what we did when we launched my book in January, we overhauled that with images of quotes from my book, of endorsements from my book from different videos that we created, taking little elements of the online academy, mm-hmm. all our testimonials. And we produced a thousand pieces of content and put though that in, but we wanted it to do video and Meet Edgar wouldn't do video. So we looked at something called Social B, which allows you to do the same thing, but it does video. And then we found CoSchedule. CoSchedule allows you to say, this is how many times I want to post on this on each social profile. But these categories only this many times per week. So only two testimonials a week. Otherwise, you're posting too many testimonials. Mm. So you can pick how often each category goes out. So then then you're not scheduling it individually. You're just uploading the content, categorizing it, and then it'll schedule it. Exactly. And more importantly, it picks the times of day itself using AI to determine when your audience is best engaged. So now we post it in all the content and it auto does it. I mean, I'm in the top 1% of uh, SSI index for all marketers on LinkedIn, my my content, you know, a lot of it goes trending and yet I don't actually do anything. And people are like, oh, Matt, I wish I could get it booked as a speaker, but I don't have the import, I don't have the time to have a full-time digital marketer like you do, right? Most people are paying 5,000 a month to have a yeah. social media person. I know. For me, I spent, we, we spent a fair bit of money on a copywriter, a video editor and a graphic designer for like two months. And then after that, it's done. My ROI was within like weeks because people hired me because they saw the content, but I own that asset. If I was to sell my business tomorrow, right, everyone else has to sell it as a social media expense for the rest of their lives. I talk about it like I bought a truck because I own an asset that will distribute content forever that I never need to look at. I like that. That's awesome. And that's really good to think about because you do think about, I mean, I used to, when I would do it myself, oh my God, it would take hours upon hours and it just wasn't really worth it. And even now going back and looking at the content and approving it, et cetera, it just takes far too much time. We do it quarterly, but still it's too much. Like even, even quarterly is too much. And I'm an extrovert. So I'll get online and go live and I do a lot of live videos and all that stuff is great. But 
it is a lot. And for LinkedIn, my strategy is uh, totally different than what it is on Instagram because Instagram is my uh, B2C customers and LinkedIn is my B2B customers. And I do all their sexual harassment trainings and stuff like that. They could care less about LinkedIn live videos, but, <laughs> but it, that I like that a lot. I'm going to look into that. And so, so meet Edgar and then co-schedule is the one that you use now. Co-schedule is the one I would suggest you use, but okay. the, the reason why I, I mean, because you want to do video, but the thing right. that I like is we post different content on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram all the time, right? We even post on TikTok now, right? But the content is all completely different, right? We, because based on the categories, we can say, and based on the specific piece of content, when we do it, you spend like you spend a little bit more time. If it's going to be automated forever, it's worth the time. So right. we say this piece of content, we want it to say this when it's posted on Twitter, this to post on Instagram, and for Facebook, it's not relevant to that audience. So you do that. Now, also, if you look at any of my videos, there's amazing graphical top thirds, transcripts, the works. Now, when we first started, we didn't do it, but the ROI on the 230 posts that I did in the three-day weekend was so high, we went, whoa, what if we do it right? And now we've got all these videos that are going to be as relevant today as they are 10 years from now. Why not go extreme? So and they always I, post, so you don't have to re-upload them. They'll re, they'll, it'll regurgitate its own content. Hey guys, it's Ashley Kirkwood here, and I know this is an amazing interview. And if you are someone who is interested in taking your speaking career to the next level, then do I have something for you. Okay, I need you to go to ashleynicolekirkwood.com slash S-Y-W-T-C live replay. That's ashleynicolekirkwood.com slash S-Y-W-T-C live replay. The link is also in the show notes that you can grab the Speak Your Way to Cash live replay, which has seven modules, a ton of information about how you can start speaking your way to cash. Now, this training is absolutely action-packed, phenomenal. It has additional resources. It has templates. It has a podcast pitch template, um, a college pitch template, um, something you can send to media outlets to get on television. It has everything you need to develop a sales strategy, a press strategy, and a plan to skyrocket your speaking career. And it is crazy affordable, okay? So head on over there right now, ashleynicolekirkwood.com slash speakyoursywtc live replay and grab your copy today. All right, let's get back to this interview. Yeah, absolutely. That is now, so cool. The thing for us is when we did it with Meet Edgar, you know, it recycled content once every 30 days on some platforms and, you know, once every three to four months. But you think about how fast all those food feeds are moving and how many percentage point of your population that are connected with you see it, no one's going to see the same thing twice. And if they do, they're like, oh, gosh, I didn't take action on that last time. I need to hire this person because I'm not doing it. Right. right? But now we've got a 1,000 pieces of content. I mean, they're never going to see the same thing. But, again, I let the ROI of it affect the the next transition but a lot of and this is what i mean about if you don't have a business you don't if people aren't doing these things a you're never going to compete with someone like me because you're going to call someone once and you're going to have a conversation with them and they, they're going to really consider hiring you they may not consider paying you but they may hire you we reach out to them then they're going to see my content for the next six months until they have a, a conference right they're going to be receiving emails from me and they're like you know what who are we going to hire? Well, actually, I keep getting seeing stuff from this Matthew Pollard guy. So he's going to be our featured speaker. And let's go and pick a bunch of other people to speak for free. That are afterthoughts. And one thing you all should know, I know that uh, Matthew mentioned this earlier, a client 
he reached out to, I think it was Berkshire Hathaway hired you about a year later. We had a large advertising company that we reached out to over a year ago that just signed their contract this week. So I do think you all, and, and it was because she's my Instagram friend and Facebook friend and she saw me on LinkedIn. And it was actually an employee of the company that had her talk to me. So if you all have friends that work at companies, they should be connecting you because they know employees see all the problems at the company. They would love for the problems to be fixed. Whereas those who are um, in the C-suite, actually, there's like studies that actually show this, C-level executives grossly overestimate how happy their employees are 100% of the time. So you should be talking to the people that you already know, but the content piece of this is huge. I'm going to link to um, co-schedules. I think that'd be awesome. And I'm going to link to the other um, resources that Matt mentioned, including matthewpolar.com slash growth so that you all can get some of these strategies and sign up for his email list. And I'll also link to his book as well so that you all can see that. Um, because it does have amazing reviews. And if sales is something you're struggling with and you are an introvert, you should check it out. Because I think introverts are super fantastic. My husband's totally an introvert, but he's also a genius. And it's weird because in society, I think introverts are are very undervalued because he will not just speak up and give you advice unprompted like an extrovert will. But if you ask him a question, the answer that you get will be it'll be spot on almost every time, at least for my business, that's how it's been. Well, one of the things I'll tell you is that a lot of speakers, they create their own inner monologues, which can be incredibly dangerous. One of the examples we give in the book is this guy, Jim Comer, who literally had told himself that the industry was suffocating and that none of these clients were, were going to hire him. And I said, when was the last time you picked up the phone? Oh, no, I sent an email to that one person. They never responded. Like, so we got him to sit down for two hours and call his old prospects back. He made $60,000 in two hours because literally he picked up the phone and called people and they said, oh, my God, thank you so much for calling. We, we lost your content and we were trying to find your number. We were about to hire someone else. That was a $30,000 two-day workshop that he wouldn't have got otherwise. Like literally we create these things in our heads. And a lot of times speakers, you've got to learn to leverage. Like literally – my entire mapping into corporate started this way. I had an endorsement in my book from a person that worked from Oracle and they were not even senior leadership. They were like middle level management. They endorsed my book. I spoke to them, said thank you, asked them if they had any conferences going on. He went, oh, it's late notice, but we're actually looking for a speaker for our kickoffs. And I think they're in the process of finalizing the selection. They've got a short list of three. We emailed that person. We literally looked for that person online because he wouldn't provide an introduction connected with him and asked him if he'd seen my book and shared the endorsement, got the book in front of him. They dropped all three people that were on their um, that were on their wait list and hired me instead to do 10 keynotes across the country. That, that was such a successful engagement. I got asked to speak at the AAIA, AAISP Leadership Summit, which was the, the largest conference in America inside sales professionals. I was the only paid speaker at that event, and there were hundreds of speakers at that event. And that then led to requests from Intel, from Microsoft, to all of these other high-level keynotes. So sometimes it can be one middle-level manager that can create an engagement for you. And if you know how to leverage it, we got testimonials and video testimonials, and you know how to leverage it right, that can be your million-dollar speaking business from one introduction. So don't be afraid to reach out to that middle-level person because yep. a lot of the times they know the people and they're going to the conference that they're not excited about seeing the speakers that they're trying to shortlist <laughs> and they really prefer to see you. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, don't be afraid to be interesting and show your personality. I think a lot of people that come from corporate have a hard time showing their personality when in fact, being an entrepreneur, your personality is going to be your differentiator. So building that brand, being yourself, reaching out. And I like what you said about, we create a lot of these uh, problems in our heads, like the whole idea that small businesses or nonprofits don't have budgets. That is a lie. Colleges are nonprofits, many of them, they all have budgets. I mean, a lot of them have budgets, especially state schools. There was just an organization, they're a very small organization that served the youth. And they were talking to me the other day and said they have a budget of $5,500 for like a 30 minute something or another that's down the street. So people have budgets and that's, those are on the lower end of the budgets that we've seen. I'm always blown away. Like we create our vision of, oh, that's a non-for-profit. They can't afford it. Like the first non-for-profit I spoke at I remember I charged three and a half thousand dollars to speak, and literally they received a fifteen percent increase in sponsorships within three months of me being there. Right, which each sponsorship seven and a half thousand dollars. I had a conversation with them only recently because I spoke at their national conference, you know, not long ago because of the success we'd had. And I just spoke to my ambassador there and said, "Look, can you do me a favor? Like I'm getting all these requests, and I don't want to, you know, I don't." I, I, I don't want to be uncourteous, but I'm now getting so many requests to speak and I want to help these people. Could you give me an understanding of their budget? She said, yeah, we pay, you know, generally for a, a, a non-for-profit small group like us, you know, in one state, between seven to $10,000 for a good speaker, which means I undersold myself considerably at the start and these people actually can afford me. So as you get higher, if you create that, you don't get to help the people you really want to help. But governments have money to, to economic development departments. They want people to speak for free and nine times out of 10, they will get a great speaker for free, but they will pay you if you ask and they actually want you. Associations always have money. People are paying association membership fees. They'll say, we do not pay speakers. Here's a question you want to ask. Have you ever paid a speaker to speak at your event? And if they can't answer that as a absolutely not, don't even consider it because what they're actually saying to you is, yes, we do pay speakers, but you're not good enough to be paid. In which case, you can either defend that and explain why you are or take that as a lesson learned and speak for free to develop what you need to become a speaker that's worth being paid, right? Every yeah, and sometimes month. you go and do the engagement. Like I had an organization that only would cover my travel when I was a new speaker and they had a keynote they'd been working with. I went to the organization, took the travel, and they ended up letting the person who was doing the keynotes for the past four years, she now does breakouts. I now keynote and I'm going to be keynoting for all of their conferences across the United States. And that was because I, I knew how good I was. And I also knew that when I got there, it wouldn't even be up to them because it was a group of law students because I wrote the book, The Law School Hustle. And the students were coming out of the engagement like, why wasn't she the keynote? I missed, I missed the workshop. This isn't fair. And so this year, they made sure everyone had access to it. So I think you have to... You do have to weigh it though, because time is money. And if you're not just starting out, it sometimes isn't worth justifying it to some organization. So don't be afraid to say no. Like, okay, totally understand. This sounds great. Have a great day. <laughs> I would absolutely. So here's the problem. If you only make money from speaking, then you've got two problems. One is you can't speak for free because you've got nothing to sell. So there's nothing you can make money out of. And two, if all you do is speak for free, you if all you do is make money as a speaker, you feel bad saying no to anything. Because anything yeah. speech could lead to that next speech. So you need to have a diversified income, right? You've Definitely. got to be you're coaching. You've got to have your academy. You've got to have, you know, other things going on that make people go, well, they're not just trying to make money as speakers, so I'm going to have to pay them to get them to come. But the second thing 
is that what happens, like every speech that I did, literally we had an Asana checklist that we managed that every time I spoke at an event, we'd ask them beforehand, do they want copies of the book? Are they videotaping it? Can we get a copy of that? Because we wanted it for our sizzle reel. As soon as I finished speaking, we would then grab their business cards to add them to the mailing list. We would ask them for a written testimonial. We would then organize a Zoom video like this to get a video testimonial. Because any time to get to the paid speaking gigs, you need to have an overwhelming amount of evidence. But if you're speaking for free, at sometimes when you first start, a testimonial and a video testimonial is payment enough. Absolutely. Right? Start to get that experience. But as soon as you've got diversified income, you're like, look, I'd love to come and speak for you for free because I'm going to get all my coaching clients out of it. So I'm sorry, I'm getting so many um, events to speak at. Unfortunately, we can no longer do it um, for, for no compensation. So what budget do you have in mind? And if it's a local gig and they're like, oh, we can only, only afford $1,000, I've been surprised. As soon as I started saying no, member like meetup groups, all of a sudden found $1,000. Universities that have never paid speakers paid me. And now, like, literally, as soon as I went, I'm not, I'm not going to do it for less than five grand, everybody had five grand. Then I went, I'm not going to do it for less than seven and a half. Everybody had seven and a half. Now I won't do it for less than five figures. And everyone's got five figures. You're your own worst enemy when it comes to pricing because what happens is you say, do you have a budget for a speaker? And they're like, no, we don't really pay our speakers. Don't really pay means they have paid others, but they don't want to pay you. And then you're like, well, I, I, I don't really, I, I guess I could consider doing it for free or my general pricing, or I like to get paid 5,000. They're like, we don't have that. Oh, no worries. I'll do it for a thousand. Oh, you will only pay free. Okay. I'll do it for free. Because you know, of that, you fold too quickly. I agree with folding too quickly, 100%. What I did as an attorney at a large firm, I do a lot of negotiations back and forth. And I always made people go and check. Like, you're going to think about this before you say no to this opportunity to have me at your organization. And I'd be surprised how many times, if people know that you're willing to walk away, but you're giving them this one last chance. Like there have been many times where I've just been, okay, totally understand your budget, but why don't you do this? Why don't you go back to the board let them know what we've discussed and we'll talk tomorrow about your best offer to see if we can make this work. And if we can, great. But if we can't, I totally understand and hope to work with you in the future. And they come back the next day and they found an extra $500 or $1,000 or they found money to buy the book in bulk and bulk book sales. I mean, my books print for like, you know, not that much per book. So if you can bulk sell 500 copies, that is phenomenal as well. So don't negate having the product. And I did self-publish. So if you all self-publish, you control your printing, et cetera. That can be really lucrative if you speak to a lot of colleges or corporations that will do bulk sales. But make people make people check. Don't don't be too desperate for it. And I think, you know, I run a law firm, so of course I'm I'm pretty diversified. But I do think that if you can, if you can find yourself in a position where you don't need the engagement, you will be a better negotiator because you won't have to be desperate for the, the check. Well, you've got to you've got to be willing to help them solve their problem. So first thing you've got to realize is a lot of times when people are calling you to speak, they're not the person that decides on the budget. Right. So because they have to go to a group to ask for money, they're going to ask if you can speak for free. And if, I mean, if you went to a car yard and said, I want to buy a brand new Toyota and you had a choice of paying $30,000 for that car or getting it for free, what are you going to take? Right. As soon as you realize you can't get that vehicle for free, you're like, well, can I get it for 10? No. Can I get it for 20? No. Can I get it for 30? Okay. But I don't have 30,000. Well, let me, let's work out a way of getting you 30. Do you want a car loan? Right. Can you get the money from your parents? Right. That's what's going to happen. Why, when you call as a speaker, is it any different? Okay. So 
Firstly, we, you know, we, we don't generally pay our speakers. The word general implies that they do pay others. So have you ever paid a speaker in the past? Yes, I have. How much did you pay them? That's a great starting point, right? Secondly, if they if you say, well, my price is $5,000 and they say, oh, well, we don't have $5,000 to, to pay for a speaker, you can then say, well, okay, you don't have $5,000 to pay for a speaker. Let me first understand because there are a couple of things I can do to help you get there. Firstly, have you ever had a sponsor sponsor your event before and help them navigate that? The second thing is, you know, have you, you know, is if you are going to pay a speaker more, how would you go about getting that approved? And you walk them through that process. Thirdly, there are some things that we can do to diversify your investment. Your book's a great example. Associations, they have different budgets. They have right. the budget for a speaker and the budget for books they send their members. So two and a half thousand dollars could come from the book fund. The other thing you can do is you can say, well, I tell you what, if you've got 100 people there, buy 100 of my books, that's $1,000, but you can sell them for $20 and I'll sell them to you for $10. So now they're going to get $2,000 back in book sales from the event, which means I'm only costing three. There's a whole bunch of things you can do there. Then they're like, yeah, but I still don't have 3,000. I only have two. You say, okay, well, if you've only got 2,000, let's talk about my discount matrix. So for $500, I will give you a $500 discount in exchange for a full written testimonial that's 100% the truth. But would you be comfortable doing that for me? Absolutely. I give a further $500, a $250 discount if you do that on video as well. Would you be open to that? Yes. And then finally, I'd be happy to give you a further discount if I can find you a sponsor to record the event, if they don't record the event themselves, but they will want five minutes to talk about their business from stage. Would you be open to that? Yes. So then you just call a local camera team and say, would you be willing to record my keynote presentation for an opportunity to speak about your business and what you could do for 200 business owners that will be in attendance? Nine times out of time, 10, somebody will say yes. So now you get $2,000 for the appearance. You've sold $1,000 worth of books. You've got a written testimonial, a video testimonial, and a recording for your sizzle reel. That's a good deal, right? Package out your discounts. Yeah, definitely. And be willing to have those tough conversations. So Matthew, this has been chock full of information. Thank you so much for your time. Where can we find you if we want to connect with you on your social platforms and we want to learn about what you're doing next and your coaching services? Absolutely. I appreciate that. So obviously, if you just type in my name, Matthew Pollard in Google, I pretty much take up the first three pages. But check out my social media platforms, which are either Matthew Pollard underscore or Matthew Pollard speaker. I share a whole bunch of videos for free on social media. But what I would suggest to people is go and download that template that we talked about for creating your unified message and discovering your niche of willing to buy clients. That you can get at matthewpollard.com forward slash growth. Go and find someone to do the, that worksheet with that's not in the speaking industry so that you don't, they don't fall into your industry jargon and create that so that you don't start fitting, you stop falling into that commodity-based marketplace. And, you know, foster, create that unified message and discover your niche of willing to buy clients. And then for the people listening that are introverted, you don't have to buy my book. One of the things I always, my publisher hates me when I say that, but you don't need to buy my book. I am so focused on helping introverts realize that they can successfully sell that I give away the first chapter for free at theintrovertsedge.com, which also includes the free written and the free audio version for the first chapter. 
And I literally help you overcome your fear towards selling, but also map out the first seven, the the seven-step sales process. If you do nothing more than take the seven chapter headings, look at what you currently say and put that in under those seven chapter headings. Now, firstly, you'll realize certain things don't fit. Don't try and figure out how to fit them in. Stop saying those things to customers. You shouldn't be saying those things to customers. And then fill the gaps, which will generally be around storytelling and asking great questions. If you do nothing more than that, you'll double your sales in the next 60 days and be ready to pick up the phone to to start calling people and start marketing yourself. And you can access the first chapter at theintrovertsedge.com. Awesome. Awesome. This was phenomenal. All right, Speak Your Way to Cash family. This was another great, great, great episode of Speak Your Way to Cash. Also, if you all do not know it already, you all can follow us at Speak Your Way to Cash. You can go to my website at ashleynicolekirkwood.com. And for those of you who missed Speak Your Way to Cash live, it is now available online at speak at ashleynicolekirkwood.com slash S-Y-W-T-C live replay. And I will link to all of that stuff as well as all of Matthew's information so you all can get that in the book, the system, all of the resources that we talked about today, which have been phenomenal. And I will see you guys next time. All right, wasn't that interview amazing? If you're anything like me, you have pages full of notes. But here's the thing. Before you head out, I want you to go to facebook.com and... Join the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group. That is where I am. That's where a ton of other speakers are, a ton of other people who listen to the show. All We all congregate there and chat. And it's 100% free. Now, if you're ready to take your speaking career to the next level, I have two ways for you to do that. One, you can go to ashleynicolekirkwood.com slash SYWTC live replay and pick up the live replay. That training is seven modules, chock full of information. It's crazy. Go over there, read all about it. Or if you want a more personal experience, you're already, you already know that you want to be a speaker. You're ready to fully commit and you want someone to walk you through it and save you tons of time Googling and doing it on your own, then book a VIP day with me. You can go to ashleynicolekirkwood.com, scroll down until you see the VIP day section and get more information on that there. All right. Thank you guys again for watching. Please do not forget to leave us a review. That is how we keep this train rolling and get some of the best speakers in the world to get on this show. So please, please, please leave a review. Shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram and Facebook in the Speaker Way to Cash group, Instagram at, at the Ashley Nicole Show. And I'd be more than happy to chat with you and say hi. All right, y'all have an awesome, awesome day.